This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And good morning, lines open, 1850-333-103. Katie taking your calls today, her first day working on the show with us. So we welcome Katie to the show and indeed her first time here in the C103 building. So welcome Katie. Uh, she'll be taking your comments across the show. You can always text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 or as always you can tweet at C103 Cork. And ahead on the programme this morning, around now we should be seeing the start of a partial solar eclipse here in Cork and at the moment it's cloudy. So you won't see much, but hopefully over the morning some noticeable changes will happen. Uh, we were speaking yesterday to David Moore of Astronomy Ireland who said that what we should see is a darkening of the skies, even if it is cloudy, and a noticeable drop in temperature. And that should happen more so towards 11am. So we'll keep a check on that this morning. And if you were out and about, do you notice any changes? Let us know on text or WhatsApp across the show or indeed on Twitter as well. Also, we're going to chat with Irish Rural Link. This is on their concerns with the National Broadband Plan. Uh, They feel it's making no headway whatsoever and you would be aware we have spoken to so many various communities right across Cork County over the last year who have done their own research and have gone out and got private companies to install broadband in an area where they live or a hub of a number of houses. Uh, We heard recently from Clonakilty where Elon Musk had to get involved with a local Clonakilty community, a community just outside Clon towards Rossmore and they had access and eventually have gone access access to Elon Musk's Starlink broadband. And we'd love to know the concerns that we're hearing from Irish Rural Link. We'll hear them shortly. But your concerns, wherever you're living in Cork, and it can be within a town, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a very rural area. We know people living in towns, in the city areas and suburbs whereby broadband is slow. They find it hard to do work. They're waiting for a page to refresh. Everything now is moving online. That's just the way it's going. Regardless if people like it or not, if you wish to get a contact with the company even though many are still holding phone services and a lot of people thought the phone services would be totally gone by now they're not in fairness a lot of companies still retaining phone services be that if you ring you are going to be waiting because they're not employing as much staff as they used to but what are your broadband speeds like and 
Uh, is it frustrating for you when you're trying to get work done or simply just browsing the web? Let us know. Call Katie, 1850 333 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Also this morning, many people living along the proposed M20 route. Uh, this is the Cork to Limerick motorway. Uh, they felt when the route proposals were discussed last year that communities could not meet up. Yes, they could chat via Zoom, but that really wasn't the same as meeting up. Now they're going to hold public meetings adhering to all all the social distancing rules and they want to make note and want to make the people aware in those areas of those meetings because they felt that they could not get their points across when they were discussing on Zoom that everybody was able to join them and they feel it's better face to face again a, a guiding or adhering to all the guidelines so we're going to hear from the community of Whitechurch this morning on their concerns on the M20 route and there's a lot of conflict and more conflict on this story because we now know there's the, the, the state are looking at building a motorway in and around Ross Lair, connecting Ross Lair because of increased freight traffic there. A lot of that due to Brexit. That is pushing the idea now of having the route going via care. But then you have a lot of businesses, big businesses, located in either Mallow or Charnival. They might not be local businesses, but they have a branch here and they may be operating in a sector that people don't even know the company is operating here unless you work for the company or you have someone in your family working for the company. Many of them who don't want to go public are telling us that they have concerns if there's no project on this road in the next three to five years, they feel they can't continue to operate in the North Cork area, which does then leave the concerns of job losses if trucks are being delayed if it takes and it can take because I travel the road every day it can take sometimes if there's a heavy traffic load on the road it, it could take you 45 to 50 minutes to reach the city and if that is happening to a business who are losing out because of traffic delays in their field their businesses uh, could prosper elsewhere in the country uh, are we then going to lose out or is North Cork then going to lose out because there's no motorway running through and that is where the other side of the coin comes with concerns so we'll discuss that this morning. Your views are welcome. Also the IFA have confirmed plans for its nationwide day of action by farmers that will take place tomorrow and the concerns of farmers are about the cap reform, also the climate action bill and the importance of farming to local communities. Many farmers over the years have told us when you mention climate change or the environment they feel those activists in the environment don't realise the importance of farming and how farmers are protective of the environment. They say uh, your views are welcome on that across the morning. Also our Gardafile later and pet advice with Jane if there's a question you have for a pet in your household get in contact with us you can call Katie 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and yesterday Diddy was in contact with us and he was inquiring when the vaccine portal was to open for those in their 30s and at the time yesterday we were told it was possibly going to be the end of June maybe at the start of July as with everything over the last year it's ever changing and yesterday evening we have heard that now Uh, people in the age group of 30 to 39. They are going to be invited to apply for the COVID vaccine next week and even though the rollout is falling behind due to the uncertainty over supplies, the government are anxious to put the best spin on the rollout uh, regarding that it's not meeting its targets but still uh, the vaccine portal for the 30 to 39 year olds that will open next week. Also uh, pharmacists now are going to be involved in this and pharmacists here in Cork will start vaccinations next week on the 30 to 39 year olds and also 
also on the remaining over 50s that will start from next Monday so that will really speed up the process now with your local pharmacy involved and also for those who do not wish to travel uh, to the vaccination centres or if the vaccination centre is too far away now the local pharmacy may be able to uh, help you out if they have enough stock there and if they can do so and on that though there is mixed feelings on the issue of the two metre social distancing rule because things are going to be eased now over the next few months and this could be reduced uh, in the next number of months but if it is going to be reduced, it would allow more people to go back to the workplace in August. And this is where the matter lies in. Then not everybody will be vaccinated. Uh, some people will still be waiting for the vaccine, even if they're due to get it through glitches in the system. I know we had a text yesterday from Jim who said his brother is in his 40s and never received a text back after he registered for the vaccine. Uh, then he rang the HSD and they told him he was booked in for the day before, but the text never arrived. We're hearing that story quite quite a lot. Now he'll have to wait another few weeks to get the text again or to get a call to be called to the vaccination centre. So you will have certain people in the workplace who still won't be vaccinated. They might have concerns with everything going back to normal when others around them have and they haven't been. The government are saying it's warning. It's too early to say if it can happen about reopening because you have to wait and see what happens over the next month or so. But on that, we did ask people yesterday their feelings about social distancing, the rule, and it basically being reduced. Here is what they said yesterday. To I'm us. not vaccinated yet, so once I am, maybe I won't be. I feel happier that I wouldn't be infecting somebody else, so I'm happy, you know, to do it. But I suppose everybody's everybody's different. I'm doing charity work, and I have to sit in the back of the van with three of us in a van. So you now we have a screen between us. I just think it's a natural thing that happened, and we need to continue on with our lives. And the two meters is too far. So mixed views there. I mean, people who aren't vaccinated concerned, those who have no choice, but to, in the last year, work close with their colleagues anyway and others who feel, well, you know, it's, it's happening. Just move on with our lives. So your views are welcome on that, on the potential anyhow of the social distancing rules to basically be reduced and disappear over the next few months. And on something totally different, and this was news coming out yesterday from Europe, but it does involve us here in Ireland. A lot of talk at the moment, of course, regarding Northern Ireland and trade rules Uh, and the European Commission's Vice President he has come out and said he's running out of patience with the UK's implementation of those trade rules regarding Northern Ireland he met the uh, British Brexit Minister yesterday uh, but there wasn't any breakthrough about how the goods are shifted to and from the UK so Mara Sekovic he is threatening now to take action which could include the introduction of tariffs but Yesterday, he did dismiss rumours, many would say by the French, that Ireland could be locked out of the single market due to Brexit and that a border could be put down the Irish Sea if a deal cannot be reached about the protocol. Now, uh, even though we are part of the EU and Brexit was a a UK, a, a British decision, a British vote, nothing to do with us here in Ireland, we could be the biggest losers and be blocked out of the single market. That was the rumour going around yesterday. Here's what he said on that yesterday afternoon in the EU. I saw some rumours in the press today about Ireland and I want to clarify something. We have always shown solidarity with Ireland and we will continue to stand by Ireland, which is the member state most affected by Brexit. This is a matter between the EU and the UK not between the EU and Ireland. We have always said that the EU's objective is to preserve the Good Friday Belfast Agreement as well as the integrity of the single market, including Ireland's place in it. 
So the EU overall is saying they, that Ireland will remain, that we won't be blocked out of the single marketplace, uh, while others are saying in the EU that it's the only way they can see this being resolved. But overall, the majority of EU commissioners are saying no, uh, that that cannot happen. We'll wait and see what happens with that. I know that in the London Times this morning, uh, they're reporting that President Biden has ordered US officials to issue Boris Johnson with an extraordinary diplomatic rebook for what is happening regarding uh, the protocol and the Northern Ireland peace process all over Brexit. So that's interesting because he's meeting him later. So uh, the pressure now coming in from the United States and not only uh, from countries within Europe on this. And yesterday we were speaking to Sinn Féin's Thomas Gould about something totally different to do with people not able to receive their vaccines for the housebound. We also asked them about this news that was in the Irish Independent yesterday. And this was how uh, Sinn Féin were using activists to pose as pollsters working for a fake polling company to carry out research on voting patterns. And this usually happens ahead of the election. Now, Thomas didn't know anything about this. And as we both discussed, it's very usual for a political party to do this. A person will go out. You know the person calling to your door is a Fianna Gael person or a Fianna Fáil person or a Sinn Féin person or Social Democrats or whatever they are. You know they're involved and support that party. They'll ask you who you would vote for and they'll ask you to be honest don't think that we'll be you know bruised when we leave the door if you're going to say a different party they just want to get to the lie of the land so they all do it and we were discussing that yesterday but no one had heard that this was the situation and none of the uh, I mean Thomas Gould wasn't aware that Sinn Féin had done this and many others weren't aware and they're not the only party that were doing it because Fianna Fáil were also doing it and so were Fianna Gael so it seemingly all parties were doing this and again nothing unusual as we discussed yesterday people I'm sure are very aware uh, people do call to your door either from a, a Red Sea company, polling company, or from people who are involved or support the party asking how you would vote. But the method here, though, that has been used, uh, which concerned people and people in those parties who weren't aware it was going on and, and just presumed uh, that they were using the activists and that they were going out saying that they were from the certain parties, be that whatever. I mean, the main parties here involved Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin, but it could be any party. Uh, but the concern here was they were all posing to be from a polling company that did not exist or saying they were from a fictional polling company, but seemingly they were all at it. So it isn't anything unusual because they do, they do it anyway and they do it up but that's story making the Irish independent again this morning that all the political parties uh, well not all but three of them anyhow were calling to the door but not saying that they were from that party saying that they were from uh, a false polling company more or less your views are welcome on those and shortly discussing the issue with broadband 1850-333-103 Katie taking your phone calls and comments this morning or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 you can tweet us at C103 Corp and Tim is in Bantier and this is regarding to Ballymacquart Cross and it's a, a cross we've spoken about a lot on the programme of the crossroads and the main road uh, from Mallow to Killarney and to Canturk and crossing over from Bantir to Canturk quite a busy spot but Tim is making the point that he nearly has to drive now onto the white line to get a good enough view and there's so many accidents now on that road that it does need to be sorted by the council it's crazy though why they cannot cut the ditches in that area because now people are driving me more or less over the white line so they can see what's coming ahead of them from every direction says Tim in Bantir and it is a point that uh, you're right Tim 
It comes up every summer about that junction. I know there's design plans gone in to build a roundabout there and it will be sorted out. But when that will be, when the physical work will take place, I'm not too sure. But for the meantime, while they get around to that, you're you're right, they need to do something so people can actually see uh, when they're crossing that junction, the oncoming traffic from either side. uh, So they're not actually at the more or less the other side of the road or, or back or even out onto the road so they can see the oncoming traffic. Uh, we'll put that to the council and see if anybody can. I know there's a the wildlife act is in and, and that will affect things. But can something be done so people that are at that junction can see oncoming traffic? And is this something you come across? In other junctions, I'm sure it is. Our lines are open, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 86 We're discussing the concerns around the National Broadband Plan next. National Broadband Plan has made no progress at all, according to Irish Rural Link. It's after it was revealed that just 4,000 homes have been connected under the plan so far this year, short of its target of 115,000 for 2021. The Business Post has reported the target will now be halved for this year and Seamus Boland of Irish Rural Link joins me on this. Good morning to you Seamus. Good morning JP. And thanks for joining us. I mean this is something that you, you expect will be slowed down because of the pandemic but not at this scale. I know like there's 150,000 uh, targets that should have been reached. Uh, 4,000 odd uh, has been reached. That's a hell of a a uh, failure, in my opinion. Okay, the pandemic, you would expect, would have had an effect on the overall target. And yes, if it had been reduced, even by 2,000, which would be quite considerable, um, you would you would say, yeah, well, look, it's part of the pandemic and a lot of things have suffered. But 4,000 or just a bit over 4,000, it's it's really, there, has, there have to be other reasons and we've looked for explanations. And I know because of the frustration from people working from home in the last year, we had a community here in Clonakilty or living near Clon uh, towards Ross Moore who had to get in contact with Elon Musk. They now are using his satellite system Starlink so they can work from home and they're happy with the speeds. And then we're looking to those type of companies, Seamus, like what Starlink is doing, like private companies such as Cyro uh, coming together. They're physically calling to every home in this country installing broadband. They seem to be, you know, getting along slowly but surely. Uh, and yes, the National Broadband Plan cannot do this. Well, that's why we need explanations. Uh, it's extraordinary that this was launched with, with plenty of aplomb. Uh, and it, it has been a central part of Irish Rowling's campaign. In fact, uh, starting out in Cork in 2007, we launched it. Uh, and we made it very clear that the broadband should be similar to water and ESB services. It should be coming to every single home. There should be no messing about it. Took it a long time to get that principle across. Uh, and really, you know, I, I still believe it will happen. I have to be optimistic, but honestly, uh, this delay needs explanation. And is there a fear now when you have those companies like Cyro I mentioned who are you know ploughing ahead and then you have Starlink who is connecting rural communities not only here in Cork but also in Kerry and Dublin and I think in other areas of the country as well uh, that when the broadband plan the national one we're speaking about eventually gets rolled out it could be too late for a lot of house- households they'd have gone to the private operators. Yeah, well, you could, you, it could be the case. Uh, but on the other hand, I wouldn't worry. It's, it's a fear. I wouldn't call it a fear as such. If private companies can deliver a very good service, they need to be competitive. Uh, we have some of them in our area, you know, and I find, and you know, they, they, they can sometimes be expensive or they can sometimes 
um, not be the best of signals. But they do a good job. They're working hard. And if they can compete against the national broadband, I would be delighted for them. So I'm not at all worried about that part of it. But the reality is, as we pointed out back in 2007, um, much of the other types of broadband cannot reach certain households in rural areas. And that's why we asked for a uniform um, supply. And that's what was supposed to be now in train. There's been so much talk over the last number of years, Seamus, with people fighting for rural Ireland to keep rural Ireland alive. Now is the chance to do that. So many are moving out of cities. So many are moving and want to buy homes in areas and many of them scenic areas. And you can see that with house prices rising in so many areas across the country that this is the time where you can actually win. And if there's a proper broadband network, you can move there and realise I can work from here and I only have to commute to Dublin or Cork or Galway or wherever one day or two day a week if needs be. But if the systems aren't in place, it's going to turn people off. I mean, we spoke to an auctioneer earlier on in the month who said the first question he gets when he's selling a house is, what are the broadband yeah. speeds? So, you know, are, are we shooting ourselves in the foot while you're always fighting for rural Ireland here? Uh, then, you know, we're getting the infrastructure, but it's not coming fast enough. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it is about uh, the first question people ask. And the reality is the pandemic has caused a revolution, and it has meant you can actually work from home. We are now proving to employers that actually we can do so. It's better for the employee. Uh, you can live in your own community, better for the rural communities. And in many ways, the productivity is higher. So I think this is the time and the opportunity, and this is why broadband needs to be a bit more successful. And what can you do now as a group? I mean, do you go to your to the government? Do you go to the broadband plan and say you're aware of the delays and, and the concerns you have? And a lot of this is due to the pandemic. But when you look at the other companies, they are ploughing ahead. They, they are able to construct and yeah. go and roll it out. What answers are you hopeful to get? And do you think your involvement or do you think groups like you will have any change in, on improving and increasing the rollout? Of course they will. And many of our members are making even not alone with us, but uh, separately their own, uh, as it were, policy uh, checks in terms of asking the government to explain. We really, we need an explanation, and I'm surprised it hasn't come yet. But we will keep, as we have done, pushing this until it's delivered. We will continue monitoring it until it's delivered. And of course, you know, if private companies can deliver it, we're all for that as well. Okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, we we do have the options now of a lot of private companies, so it'll be interesting to see how things will roll out with the broadband plan. I suppose the big concern here is taxpayers' money. So uh, once it's rolled out, you would hope as many people will use that as the the money has been pumped in from taxpayers. We'll wait and see what happens, Seamus, for the moment. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Katie. Thank you very That's much. That's Seamus Bowden there of Irish Rural Link. And is sort of something that frustrates you uh, that you are at home trying to work and still, uh, because of the slow rollout of this, you can't access the National Broadband Plan, but then you may not be lucky enough to have a, pr- a private provider elsewhere uh, that can give you those fees that you require. Let us know, Katie, taking your calls on 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And something that I got, it's an email I got yesterday to the show, 
I like your thoughts on this. Uh, this has come from Lorraine, who's a mother of, of a son. Um, and I'll read you the, the email. Here it is. It goes, Hi, JP. I want you to raise an issue on your show. And I'd love to hear others' thoughts on this or if they have noticed same. My son, he works in a supermarket. He loves going into work, loves his colleagues and chatting with the customers. He's in first year in college. So this work pays towards his college and college fees. Unlike many others, he did not seek the PUP and worked away throughout the pandemic. However, some days he comes home and repeats stories about customers who were just rude. He says it gets to him. And I know before he says that this does get to him. 95% of customers are great. They're understanding, they have the banter and they're lovely people. But it's that 5% that stick in his mind. An example, the store had an offer for an item. It was a two for one offer. The offer had finished, but the lady he was serving at the till disagreed as she read it in a magazine and could not remember the date of the end offer and kept arguing at the till with my son as she claimed the magazine was this week. She then accused him of overcharging her and this was in front of other customers. So my son called the manager and said to her, maybe they will honour the offer, but the manager will have to override the system. She then got louder, shouting, and you can simply press the button. What are you doing there at all? The manager came over and said, yes, the offer is over. It finished last week, so you must have looked at an old magazine. But she then started again and saying to my son, if you just put it through, There'd be no delay now. The manager asked her to step aside, which she eventually did. She left the item in question and paid for the rest. Before leaving the store, the manager said she was out of line the way she spoke to my son. He said he did everything right. He checked the date. He called me over to see if I could help you. And you still shouted at him. The woman could not accept responsibility. It was her way or no way. And she was right. She walked off in a huff, calling the manager a disgrace. My son, though, came home saying his manager stood up for him today and he seemed brighter than usual. My message is the customer is not always right. People seem to be frustrated after lockdown, which is fine. But we all went through this. So please don't be nasty to any worker. We heard before the pandemic really started in this country that we would come out of this better people. But in reality, have we? As people soon forget. Regards, Lorraine, who emailed the show yesterday. You can email JP at c103.ie. And would you agree with Lorraine there in her points? That's why we have all been through a tough year or two. Uh, Have people forgotten and come out worse? Or are those people, have they always been there anyhow? And working with the public, you can't please them all. Uh, You can't save everybody and you will always have those people you can never keep happy wherever you're working and dealing with the public. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, Whatever you make of Lorraine's email, uh, you can tweet us at C103Cork, call Katie 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We're discussing uh, the proposed Cork to Limerick M20 motorway route and how some communities feel they want more interaction now this year as they could 
would not have done so last year. Public meetings are being planned, uh, adhering to guidelines. We'll discuss the, with that and with the Whitechurch community who are joining us next as they have concerns over the Navy route. We'll hear from Whitechurch next. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. The controversy that is the M20 motorway between Cork and Limerick continues. Residents in the Whitechurch and Waterloo areas are against one of the routes. Deirdre Hosford joins me as the local resident in Whitechurch. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Good morning, JP. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Now, you guys are against the Navy route. There's also other routes that are down for question. They're basically different various routes that they will take in and around the communities. I know uh, the communities of Morn Abbey and Rahan are against various routes as well as are people mm-hmm. against other routes in Charnival. But the main reason you're joining us today to highlight this is you and other communities felt last year it wasn't fair to go along and put up these routes and have these guidelines and have these end dates for proposals because communities could not meet up due to the restrictions and even though you were doing it over Zoom it wasn't the same. Do you want them to hold back the deadlines now and let communities speak and meet up adhering to the guidelines that are out there at the moment so you can actually go ahead and make a decision about what communities want out of this? Mm-hmm. Well I suppose firstly JP what I'll say is uh, we take away all colours. We are against any motorway at this end of the project. Um, there are certain places in this project the likes of Butterfront, Mallow, Charleville, all of those places out farther on, 100%, they do need bypasses and, and we all know that there are traffic issues and safety issues. Down in this end of the project, there's absolutely no need for a motorway because we have three routes already going the one direction and they are now planning on putting a fourth in there with this motorway coming right through our small communities. In regards to the uh, meetings, the public meetings, when the public consultation started in a last November, it came in with a whisper, not a roar. I mean, it was absolutely slid in under the carpet. Nobody even knew it was happening. Just a, a neighbour here just happened to mention it to us. Um, they said that they put big ads in the paper. There were supposed to be the people on the route that would be directly affected were supposed to be contacted by letter. Uh, we know for a fact that wasn't the case. People weren't uh, let known. And then what happened was it was through word of mouth. We would have a lot of elderly uh, people in our community and all, all along the route. And they were hearing by word of mouth of, oh, they're probably going to be running a motorway through. This was in the lead up to Christmas. They were already scared because we were in a global pandemic. And then this was down on top of them, the fact that they could lose their houses. It was, a, it was they caused so much hardship and uncertainty for people. It was unbelievable. I mean, this should have been announced in the national newspapers, in, you know, on all radio stations, and it was brought in with a whisper, not a roar. Um, you know, we've had multiple Zooms, as you've said, with them on multiple occasions, um, but it's very hard to get your point across, and again, we weren't able to meet with our community. Now, we have an amazing community here, which all banded together. We very quickly formed um, a committee and we've, you know, we have a, a WhatsApp group, we have a Facebook page, we have an online petition with over 1,300 signatures on it. Um, and, you know, we came together very fast and everyone was under the exact same 
um, opinion that we don't want this motorway down here. And um, what about the proposal, Deirdre, in the last few weeks that has come out? And this is regarding Ross Lair. They're looking at building yeah. a motorway around Ross Lair now because of the extra freight traffic there. And yeah. they could use what the other proposal was, the junction at Care, that the image would turn uh, from Care and ahead to Limerick and people mm-hmm. would use the existing image then uh, bypassing mm-hmm. Formoy and Mitchellstown. That would yeah. mean then there would be no need for a motorway going across uh, North Cork. Uh, is that something you would welcome or do you feel then it's unfair on the communities from Mallow to Charnival who then will be left without a bypass and without a motorway? Well, first of all, the N20 has to be upgraded for safety reasons. Absolutely. So they can't just pretend that that doesn't need to happen. That has to happen. And as well as that, is talk of, of other roads and that type of thing, all of them have their merit. The problem being the NDP, the National Development Programme, is coming out in July, where this is talking about the national allocation of funding for all the national products. That's already been done. So, I mean, anything new that they're, they're bringing to the table now will probably not get funding. We have to deal with what has funding right now, and that is some of this road has funding. And I say some of it because they have um, given us a budget um, they said that the road was going to cost £900 million. Whereas Eamon Ryan to the Transport Committee in the Doyle a few weeks ago said he had got figures that would base the cost on 2 to £3 billion. And where's that extra billion going to come from? That's the taxpayers' money. And that basically means it goes from a local issue to a national issue because that's a taxpayer issue. Where's that extra billion going to come from? And while the funding is always an issue there and you'd wonder what will happen when they look at the Ross Lear link and maybe it is okay. cheaper to go the other way but as you say there okay. is a need for a change on the existing uh, motorway or the existing road from Cork to Mallow anyhow certainly uh, yeah. but I'm not an engineer but I presume when they're looking at this new network for the M20 they will say it has to start at a certain point for it to work I can see your yeah. point of view of you don't want I know people living in the area who will tell me and have showed me that outside their home will it become a, basically a motorway Way. schools yep. like Rahan and in Burnford yeah. right behind mm-hmm. them they have green yeah. flags they'll turn into a it's motorway you know a environmental half, a reasons and a half from Whitechurch National School here I mean there is a myriad of reasons it's not just a case of well I don't want to look at it it's nothing about that it's the fact that they're not using common sense you have three roads that are going the one way right now why in God's name would you put a fourth one running the same way as well. What it's going to do is turn the secondary roads around here into a rat run because Mm. you're going to have people avoiding the motorway. What happens when you have a child going to secondary school in Blarney? What are they going to do? Cross a motorway to go to secondary school? You know, or it could be vice versa. You could have someone from that side coming up here to play sport in our community centre, something like that. It's not just a case of we don't want to look at the road. It's a case of cutting off a community and it's putting an unnecessary road through prime agricultural land. It is displacing people from their homes. It's making farms unviable. I mean, we know that on the road, the existing road, that there are over 600 access points onto the road and that's a a level, um, that's a, a bone of contention for the planners. But I mean, the problem is, we have requested on multiple occasions in 2020 and 2021 information from the TII and the Cork and City uh, Limerick County Council, the planning office, um, for um, information from a traffic survey that they did back in March 2000, which would be how how needed the road is, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm, yeah. And at every stage, they have stonewalled us. 
they haven't given us that information. Now, Dean, we know that they said that they hadn't analysed it. We know they did because we know they presented it to the city councils uh, last year. So, I mean, it's just at every stage they have made it as difficult as possible for us to get the information. And I've had a lot of businesses who do agree with you here and they can totally see your point of view about splitting communities and losing yeah. people losing their homes and they all agree. And many people are agreeing that yeah, there is about three or four different routes coming out from Blackpool Absolutely. toward Whitechurch. So it, you would yeah. think it would be less money to go further down the road. But again, I'm not an engineer. I don't know how these things work. Mm. Maybe it has to start somewhere. I've no idea. But for, 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 the, <laughs> for the business community, can you see how uh, business people are saying that if they don't get a motorway here in the next three or four years and these may be international companies based in Malibu and Charnival they may end up pulling out can you see the fear there though uh, from the business point of view Yes, 100%. And, and that's something that we want to make very clear as a, our group and wider groups. We are very much aware of keeping business and keeping the link and that Western Corridor from, from uh, Cork to Limerick. But like you have to also look at like if you put in a bypass, so they're essentially dual carriageways, big bypasses on the towns like Butterfield and Charleville. It's not going to take away from the town. It's actually going to make it's easier for these big multinationals to get their products in and out. It doesn't have to be a motorway all the way. Plus, as well, you have to think, the North Ring Road, when you come as far as Blackpool, as it stands, Blackpool is a bottleneck. Where are all these cars going to go? Surely you would think that they would make the North Ring Road a priority first Mm-hmm. to link in with the ME. Rather than a backlog then, outside Blackpool Shopping uh, Centre, yeah. Exactly. I mean, you're just, I mean, as it is, Mayfield can handle this Black, and Blackpool can handle it. So now they're feeding, I mean, this motorway will have a capacity for 57,000 cars a day. Now let that sink in for a second. 57,000 cars a day. It's a huge, it's it's huge volume going into one smaller yeah. road then coming off a major road. So that, that is another massive issue that they will so, have looked and will have to look at. I presume they are, yeah. but again, no, they will have to know, look at they it. They came out last week and they were, you know, saying, oh, well, they're looking at the North Ring Road. Looking at it is no good <laughs> if you're yeah. using the M20 <laughs> You need to, to physically do something and not just look at the thing. Uh, exactly. So your public meeting, I mean, are you, first of all, are all the communities, because it's not just Whitechurch, uh, we've heard from Morn Abbey, we've heard sure. from Ratton, we've heard from, are you mm-hmm. all working together on this, regardless yeah, of what absolutely. different routes you are? Okay, yeah, so you're all yeah, on the one page. With, yeah, we're all we're all all the ways along the road. It's not just us. It's, it's everyone. We're all talking. We're all on the same page. And I mean, we all agree that there has to be progress. There has to be safety concerns addressed. But we all also agree that there is no need to put this motorway down here. So this is what this public meeting next week is about. And when is um, the public meeting on, and where? So, it's on Thursday the 24th um, at 8pm in Whitechurch and Waterloo Community Centre. Um, it'll be socially distanced, everybody will be wearing masks and it will be outside and we'll be adhering to all guidelines. But if this is the first time that all these people and all these communities will actually be able to, to be in the one place and voice their opinions and voice their concerns and get some answers. Uh, we will have some political people attending on the night, um, just confirming the last few now. We will have different speakers um, and we have a few other little bits and pieces going on as well. But it's just to put, you know, to let people have, I suppose, a good go at what's happening, 
what are their fears, what are their concerns. And get their views across that they couldn't get across maybe last year or weren't able to do so. Okay, Deirdre, we'll we'll leave it there. Best of luck with the meeting. We'll see what comes out of that. At least you have political uh, views there as well, so you might get further answers on the night. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Deirdre. That is Deirdre Hosford, who's the local resident in Whitechurch, and their objections as are coming from Morn Abbey and Rahan and other areas along the proposed M20. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. It's Cork Today. John Paul McNamara with you until one o'clock in for Patricia this week while Katie is taking your comments this morning. 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. I'll get to comments shortly on the letter or the email I read out from the mother Lorraine on her son who was abused while working in a retail shop. Yet the manager did come and uh, did tell the customer what to do in some regards but a lot of comments in on that, that email and also on the M20 motorway and the concerns of those living along the new proposed routes across North Cork into Limerick. Uh, But a number of texts in when we mentioned earlier that the portal is going to open for those in their 30s next week and a lot of calls yesterday asking when that was due to open. Now we know it's next week. Uh, Some people asking and first of all a listener here saying I would like to know what is happening with those in the 60 to 69 age group who have received their AstraZeneca vaccine for the first COVID vaccine. When will they receive their second now, and another person is saying that they got their first vaccine, but they're due to get their second vaccine shortly. They have not heard anything. Um, now, I don't know if you got the dates from the HSC. You're giving me two dates there, the 15th to the 17th of June. Or is it that you're estimating when you should get uh, the vaccine? I don't know if the HSC gave you those dates. If the HSC have given you those dates for that listener in Formoy, I would give them a ring because I know from comments to the show and even yesterday, some people, when they register, if they don't get a text after three weeks, they up and for some reason or another uh, the text never arrived to their phone and then the HSC when they ring them say you, you were booked in two weeks ago you didn't show and they organise uh, for the the appointment for them to go along to wherever their nearest uh, vaccination centre is so maybe no harm to give the HSC a ring if you were told your date is supposed to be on the 15th of June if, if that was what you were told uh, and today's the 10th to give them a ring uh, the HSC number is 1850 24 and hopefully they can help you there on that. Just be aware there are waiting times on that line. You will have to listen to a very long message for about two minutes and then press one, two, three or four. Whatever option you get through, then you will speak to an operator. But you could be on hold for three or four minutes before you get through. Uh, but if you were told that, if you're estimating it, it could be next week. Because regarding the what a lot of people are asking about, we do know the gap between the two doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine have been reduced and can be reduced from 12 weeks to eight. And that advice has come from NIAC so the wait time ha- will be reduced it's going to shorten now I know a lot of uh, politicians were concerned with this but they are going to shorten that to eight weeks now it's just getting around to the administration of that within the current vaccine programme uh, but hopefully in the next few weeks people will hear when they will be getting their second dose when they are in that age group of 60 to 69 and now uh, being made sooner uh, within eight weeks and not 12 weeks we'll keep you up to date on that ongoing story uh, but for the uh, other age group the 30 to 39 year olds it's next week you'll be able to go on the portal and register and also uh, the pharmacist will be uh, administrating the vaccine in that age group and also for those who are still getting their vaccine in the age group of the 50s and on the issue we had from the rain this was her son 
And an email she sent to us who was basically abused in a store uh, over a lady who wanted an offer. The offer was gone. And when even her son went along to the manager and asked, could he help and maybe override the system uh, to get the offer back for the lady? She continued to abuse him. Anyhow, uh, here's a, a, a WhatsApp in from a person who used to work in retail who says, oh, my God, listening to your story about the young boy, customers think they're always right about everything. Well, that's one of the reasons. I left retail. I got fed up of being spoken to rudely. I wish these rude people would do a day's work in retail and take the abuse staff have to then. Maybe it would make them more respectful to everyone. Don't they realise we are humans too? Trying to please and help everyone. I wish that lad even the best of luck. And we do. We wish uh, her son the very best of luck. Well, he's still working there. He hasn't left. I mean, he was used to it. But I think his mother, Lorraine, was putting across the point that even though we we're all on about oh COVID will change the world everybody will be so more relaxed and so more respectful and the Lorraine's point is I think people have got worse uh, not better Irene says I feel some people are not all now Irene says but some people that never worked or dealt with the public they're the ones that can act like that lady did to that young boy in the shop I don't blame all those who come into a store but certain percentages can be like that but I do feel these are the people that never had a job dealing with the public or never worked dealing with other people feels Irene and another texter says why did the manager not escort her out and tell her not to come back uh, while the girls in Mallow and Drumahan say well that person was just very rude to that poor boy she should be barred from that shop the cheek of her uh, they say and a lot of people saying similar on text and WhatsApp and it is something that if you're dealing with the public you will come up against but it's only a small minority and not everybody is like that but it's always the 2% of people you've in and 98% of people can be fantastic and be lovely uh, but it's the ones that are rude to you are the ones when you go home uh, you will think about and I, I always remember when I worked in insurance it was the people that were nice in the phone and there could be a problem with the insurance policy and it could have equally been the insurance company's fault something could have gone wrong in the policy but if they were nice to you on the phone you would do what you could to get it sorted and you would even look for a discount uh, so from the manager so that because they were so nice and they were so understanding on the phone whereas the person that would ring up and roar down at you you'd sort the problem but there would be no further because of the, the rudeness that they had and I was in a store recently this week when the stores reopened and one of my mates was returning an actual item and he had no receipt and he didn't even know if they'd accept it but he went up nice and said look my mistake don't ask me where the receipt is it's gone missing I did buy these here and because he had a nice approach and openly admitted it was his fault and if they could do nothing you know, no fear nothing will go wrong but he admits he, he lost the receipt they went over and above and I noticed it when I was in the shop there. Uh, they just did everything they could even then they went checking the security cameras and came back and because the person was nice uh, they dealt with the situation whereby if you went in giving out about not having the receipt and giving out about you won't give me a refund, uh, would they have gone to that extreme? Uh, and again, manners cost nothing, but some people don't have them for some reason and people think they can talk to people the way they want. But I think it's changing and I do think, even I know some texts are disagreeing with the manager, did. I do think the fact that the manager did pull up the woman, uh, that, uh, that always would have happened, but I think it's happening more so since COVID now. I think people aren't taking as much crap from people anymore uh, in, the, in those customer service type issues because they should not have to do so in the first place. So, but thank you uh, for your texts and comments on that and thank you Lorraine uh, for the email about her son. And 
again, 98%, 95% of people that go into that store are lovely people. But again, like everything in life, it's the minority that are n- not nice to you or nasty to you. They're the ones that stick in your head when you leave the workplace. Uh, toilets, here's an issue that has come up from Claire, who's texted the show. Uh, she says, hi, JP. Lots of places are open for outside dining yesterday in Cork City. And that's great. But nobody is opening their customer toilets. I had to go all the way to Merchant's Key to find one. Do we not need to use the loo in COVID asked Claire I would have thought the bars that are open now I haven't been out so I don't know what the situation is uh, but I would presume the bars and restaurants that are open serving food that they had toilets opened even though it's outside I presume they had a one way system in and out where you could use their toilet uh, if you have been out, let us know. Uh, call Katie, 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp, 0862-103-103. Maybe those who are still serving food on a takeaway basis aren't opening their toilets, but surely those that are open, and even though it's outdoors, uh, that they have something. If you're sitting down on their premises or on a street that they have come together and opened, uh, that they would have a toilet facility. If you've been out, let us know. Uh, I haven't been, so I'm not too sure what the situation is. But if you have, uh, let us know. If you were outside one of the bars in the city, Have could you go and use that toilet, basically? Ballymacquart Cross. Uh, this is the cross Tim was on about earlier. He feels, and I presume because he's in Bantir, coming from the Bantir side, it's hard to see when you're crossing the roadway and you're nearly over the white line to cross the road. Well, Mary says the cross is fine if people obey the rules of the road. If you stretch out, you can see the traffic coming from all sides, uh, from Canturk or Bantir, uh, says Mary. Well, Tim has a different viewpoint there. Maybe Tim is making the point that you should not have to go over the white line to see the oncoming traffic. The ditch will be cut back so you can actually stay within uh, the white line is Tim's view on that. Thank you for your text. And uh, Tom, this is regarding the IFA. We're having this discussion shortly, but but first on the M20, Tom in uh, Mallow is asking a question that a lot of people want to get an answer to when we can officially uh, get an answer of what route will be decided for the M20? I understand, Tom says, there will be objections and delays, whichever route is selected. But when will a decision be made? Asks Tom in Mallow. And that is the thing. We've been told before a decision was being made a number of years ago. Now it's supposed to be late summer uh, into the year, but it keeps the, the guidelines keep changing. So we don't have an official answer on that as yet. And staying on the M20, uh, Lisa in Mallow says, Hi JP, improving safety on the existing M20 is an absolute priority and needs to be urgently addressed. Building the M20 is not the answer for this. Far from it, as it's going to take 10 years to build that road. So what happens in the meantime? Are we saying we're happy to put up with another decade of accidents? Staying online with bypasses of Butterfant and Charnival would sort out the big two bottlenecks on the road and address much needed safety. An awful lot quicker and with a lot less destruction, says Lisa in Mallow. Uh, while this no name on this WhatsApp, uh, quite a lengthy WhatsApp, but this person says they're based in Mallow that they only found out about this M20 by word of mouth at Christmas what was happening they say in Mallow leaflets went out in December through a leaflet drop but they were delivered to the completely wrong side of the town so even though the proposed route is going to the east of Mallow the leaflets were delivered to the west of Mallow this mistake was acknowledged but not rectified we don't need an M20 we simply need an upgrade of the N20 with a bypass around Butterfant and Charnival an M20 isn't needed for the number of cars with Climate change and recovery from COVID, the world has changed. We need to look at upgrading the N20, improving rail and putting in cycle lanes. I'm based in Mallow and we stand by what 
Deirdre Hosford has said earlier on your caller from Whitechurch we are against the motorway and regarding the motorway and the fears of businesses in Mallow and Charnival you have heard from this morning I wonder what happened to the other thriving towns that were bypassed by other motorways in the past Abbey Leaks Dundero etc would a bypass around Charnival not be better with an upgrade on the N20 says that WhatsApp or says a person on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and John also on WhatsApp says John Paul is it right to sacrifice local farms and a local riding school and many other local amenities just because some businesses threatens to pull out of a town typical scaremongering an N20 upgrade is the sensible and only option says John while Colin says I completely agree with the idea of making the present N20 safer and more user friendly this should have been done 20 years ago and from an engineering point of view this can be achieved on the existing route there is no need to destroy homes or livelihoods and a 100 kilometre of countryside to achieve this by building a new road we are being asked each day to become more climate friendly through our carbon taxes retrofitting homes and changing farming and living practices but yet people seem to have no problem with bulldozing through 100 kilometres of our countryside causing massive climatic and biodiversity destruction for no need upgrade of the existing in 20 and make it all safer for us to use and do it quickly it's not rocket science no need for the, for this long drawn out new build uh, thanks Colin on text to 0862103103 WhatsApp on the same number tweet at C103 Cork or call Katie on 1850 on the way we're going to be discussing uh, the IFA who have confirmed plans for tomorrow a nationwide day of action for farmers farmers at uh, their concerns concerns is, as mentioned there, climate change. The climate change bill is a concern in the farming community, also CAP. And the importance of farming in general just to local communities, I suppose the knock-on effect that if a farm does go or a number of farms go in the area, uh, that effect it can have on the local shop, uh, the local petrol station, the local co-op and all of that. We'll discuss that next. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities which include childcare assistance required and based in Cora. You can send your CV to bbcora at gmail.com. Clonacilty Park Hotel have vacancies. You can email your CV to mcarolyn at clonaciltyparkhotel.ie. You can also post that address uh, in the Clonacilty, the Clonacilty Park Hotel and market for HR Maria Carolyn and Kinsale Hotel and Spa. They are currently seeking waiting staff, leisure club assistance and kitchen assistance email your CV to hr at hotelkinsale.ie you'll find these jobs and more now on c103.ie forward slash jobs Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 The IFA has confirmed plans for its nationwide day of action by farmers taking place tomorrow from 11am. Issues of concern are cap reform, climate action bill and the importance of farming to local communities. Five rallies are taking place in Cork and Harold Kingston is Munster Regional Vice or Munster Regional Chair of the IFA he's also a farmer in the Cork McSherry and Barry Row area. He joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Harold. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. The CAP reform debate, that is going on for a while. And from my understanding, it looks like the proposal of a regional model is causing problems in the farming sector along then uh, with the CAP cuts. Yeah, look, I think, I think first of all, it's important to highlight what we're um, 
highlighting in, in, in this particular uh, rally that we're organising tomorrow, and it is being organised right across the country, partly because of the fact that we are very conscious of the fact that we're in COVID situation at the moment. Um, it, it's not a time to, to start taking several hundred people into, into Dublin, uh, and, and it's, it's actually very appropriate that we would then stay in our local areas and uh, and go to towns that are specifically dependent on agriculture. Now, as, as you know well, in, in Cork, uh, we, we, could, we could pick a multitude of, of towns, but we've picked five uh, for, for this, and it is about highlighting the contribution of farming to rural Ireland. You know, besides just the farmers themselves, um, there's there's about 300,000 people employed right across the sector um, uh, outside of the, the Dublin and, and Mideast area. It, it's it's around 10 to 14% of employment, depending on the area that you're in, in those areas. So it is highly significant. Um, now, when when you talk about, uh, about CAP and about regionalisation and about different things, look, that's just one of the aspects that's being looked at to see how can we... Um, uh, Make sure that that when when we are looking at redistribu- redistributing money around between people, that it isn't just simply a case of, of moving deck chairs. It's about actually um, delivering uh, money into people who are actually physically farming. And I think that's the most thing that we're highlighting on this is that you know we 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 talk about environmental payments and we talk about all these different things. This this particular part of the CAP discussion is literally about supporting those who are producing food, um, and and for those who well, before my time, when 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 uh, when when the CAP was originally thought of uh, at a European context, it was it was immediately following uh, the Second World War. There was a realization that we needed to have a proper food system, uh, properly supported, delivering food in 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 a in a, a productive manner at first, but then gradually realizing that you know there's there's more to producing food than just simply producing food. Um, it's about producing it at a at a price that's affordable to the population it's about producing it in a way that is uh, in tune with the environment um, and and it's about looking after the social aspect of sustainability as well which is about actually keeping farming going in all areas across Europe uh, and and this case uh, we're, we're focusing on keeping farming going right across uh, the whole of Ireland and from the cap into the climate concerns, because that kind of rolls mm. into one, the mm. the one thing that we hear here always is livestock and the amount of livestock in this country needs to be cut down. But when you mention food production, some of the best beef produced across Europe and it's recognised across the world can be in Ireland. So if we reduce mm. our herd numbers, uh, then how can we continue to produce the milk, as you say, mm-hmm. keep the communities going on farming and produce mm. that high standard beef that is recognised? Yeah, uh, it, it is pretty much. Look at well, of course, I'm, I'm biased. Obviously, I always think that Irish beef is, is, is the best in the world. Um, I know we're, we're um, we, we do produce a fantastic product. It is produced at a, at a very low carbon footprint uh, compared to a lot of other countries, not just across Europe but across the world. Uh, and likewise, you know, I'm, I'm dairy farming myself. There's, there's a, a little bit of beef being produced here, but it's, it's primarily uh, dairy farming for for cheeses. Uh, and again, you know, it is it is produced at the lowest carbon footprint. Uh, across the world that we can possibly make it. Um, but when we're talking about the climate bill, I know some, some people tend to throw in, you know, oh, look, the easiest thing here now is, is, is cut down the production. Uh, but that, that, that is very much what, what, what we're highlighting tomorrow, is that if we actually uh, have to cut production in this country in order to hit particular targets or whatever, then that means that all those um, jobs, the, the, those 300,000 jobs also get hit. Um, because if we're not producing beef, then ABP and Bandon doesn't need to be there. If we're not producing cheese, then then you don't need to have um, the, the the factory in Carberry or or Dairy Gold or anywhere else. 
you know, it is it is vitally important that that we continue to produce food uh, in in the most sustainable way we possibly can. Now, when it comes to the climate bill, we're we're not totally against the climate bill. We're what we're looking at specifically now. It's it's, it's in the legal text. It's recognising three items that we're looking at, uh, and I know there there have been a few people that have been highlighting various things, but there's three that we're specifically looking at. The first one is actually looking at carbon sequestration. So right now, um, we all know that that obviously the soil absorbs carbon or hedgerows absorb carbon, even the grass and the and the crops that we grow absorb carbon as well. That's not legally recognised within the bill, so that needs to be legally recognised there. And you know the difficulty we have with, with Fair Deal at the moment, trying to trying to correct legal text. It takes a long time, so it's important to get it in at the start. The other one is looking at, at the, the primary source of, of carbon emissions attributed to agriculture is, is methane. And we're looking to have, and it's, it's already in the programme for government to, to recognise this, but it's not properly met, uh, recognised in the bill, is looking at the biogenic methane. So that's the methane produced from animals, which cannot be equated to the same as methane from, from your fossil fuels, simply because it's part of a natural cycle. You know, the methane from the animal goes into the atmosphere, converts to carbon, comes back uh, to, to, to feed the grass, which goes back to feed the cow and so on. Uh, and the other side then is what's known as carbon leakage. Um, and it is recognised in, in, in the bill about carbon leakage. This is to do with um, if, if we, as a, as a low environmental uh, costs producer in Ireland, stop producing food that then has to be produced somewhere that uh, has a higher environmental footprint, then on a global issue, that actually raises emissions. It's recognised in the bill about <coughs> uh, substantial carbon leakage. Now, it's very, very dangerous when you start talking about substantial in a legal text because trying to define that. So we need to make sure that that's uh, sorted as well in the bill. So it's, it's three specific items we're looking at. And these items will, will effectively target our ability to produce food in this country if they're not sorted. And the methane gas you mentioned there, I mean, we have a small country, Ireland is a small country, no matter what we do, I don't know, overall for the world, would it make much of a difference when it comes to climate change? But every country has to do their bit. Do you feel it's unfair, though, many farmers texting it this morning feel that they're being pushed out of, of their business because of reducing herd numbers and looking, and activists, they say here on text, who are looking towards farmers and saying, you cannot have a cow there, you shouldn't be, should be reducing the cattle in your field. Uh, do you feel like that, that you're being pushed out slowly, Looking at the, the climate change bill and the fact that we are discussing the M20 earlier on, we've been told to get mm. off the road and, and, and use different ways of transport. Mm. Uh, but yet still, we're, we're still investing in, in roads. We're still using fossil fuels in this country and they will be going on for a while. Even making electric cars, you still mm. have to power up the grid somehow and they yep. have to be physically made as well. And some people say they're adding uh, with the, the production of electric cars does add mm. uh, to the carbon output of wherever they're being made or whatever country. So mm. do you feel it's unfair then? You're attacking uh, the backbone of what many say is the economy in Ireland, which is agriculture, especially in rural communities. Absolutely, um, and, but I, I know that this this argument about we're so small that would would it have any effect? I, I actually wouldn't buy into that because you you mentioned roads and, and like if, if if somebody driving along the road decides to throw well, sure it's only one plastic bottle I'll throw that that out the window it's only one, but if everybody does that then it's a lot of plastic bottles. Mm. And meanwhile, I have it in the up in my silage and, and and causing problems to the cows afterwards. So everybody has to do their part, and we've we've no worries about standing up and saying yes, we need to do our part on this. But if it is a case that that we need to literally reduce production of food, look, you know, it, it means that the food has to be produced somewhere else. And and there's no getting away from that. 
we do talk, there is some talk about producing uh, fake meats and different things, um, but if people really want to uh, hand their food production over to a large investment technology company for to, to produce it in a laboratory and, and remove it completely from... But again, uh, Harold, how is, how is that going to be good for the climate? Because then you're exporting or you're, you're importing your food then into Ireland, which Absolutely. means it's coming in by a boat or a plane. So it's not balancing yeah. anything. Well, the, the the transport side of it is, is actually a very small part of of the food production um, uh, in in terms of of the percentage of your carbon footprint coming from transport. Um, but it, it's it's actually about producing it in the best way possible. Uh, and we feel that if if we are properly recognised for the amount of carbon that we sequester as part of the overall cycle of of farming then it, it, it'll actually come back that we are actually producing food at a much lower carbon footprint than any of these factories can, can do it. Plus the fact that we also have a, a retention of ownership of food production in rural Ireland as opposed to handing the, the food system over to, to a very large uh, multinational uh, in, investor who has no regard for um, for, for rural Ireland. Like if, if you, even if you look at it in terms of the multinationals within Ireland, the um, the multiplier effect uh, of of, uh, of food production is is two and a half times for beef, uh, two two times for for dairy and other food processing and so on. Whereas the multiplier for the multinationals, even though that they contribute a lot to the economy, is one point four to one point two for these foreign owned firms. So in terms of you know the, the the value of actually producing food in this country actually generates an awful lot more income than producing any of the other products that we do in this country. Okay, and a lot of text in now on this, Harold, as you'd imagine. First of all, I'm going to go back to the cap reform at the moment. And you mentioned there, we mentioned regional model that is, I suppose, for people outside of farming is the easiest way to describe it. Uh, is, is the payments going, if it went down that route, is that better for to target those who are producing food? Or, or what is the major issue about, it's, it would seem that people aren't in favour of the regional breakdown. Yeah, look, look, I... My, my my difficulty with with regionalisation in, in in its purest form, and I know, look, you're probably referring to an article that was in the Farmers Journal last week. Yeah, I there think. was one, but, and there's more yeah, this week. Exactly. Yeah. Look, it's it's it, it's just one aspect that can be looked at in terms of it. But I I personally know, and, and we will do we will do the figures on it to see whether that's something that could actually um, make make it, a a difference to it. The the reality is that I'm more worried about how much is transferring between individual farms rather than I'm worried about whether it's transferring between regions. Because because we're we're a very small country. We're a small region. When you you know mentioned earlier about whether we'd have an effect on, on a global situation on mm-hmm. climate, um, the reality is we are a small country, and and it 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 could generate a, a bit more division than 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 necessarily. But we will do the figures on it and see whether whether that could actually make make a, a, a difference on it. The, the the worry is that there's actually a number of of different like you know you mentioned about environmental groups and different things earlier they would love to see farmers fighting among sectors and fighting among each other because that would actually um, you know uh, achieve the aims of a lot of these not not every group now but some of the more extreme groups are looking that their, their view of looking after nature is to get rid of farming over the way because we're we're causing trouble and we can we can buy our we're wealthy enough we can buy our food from somewhere else and we don't need to produce it here and we shouldn't be exporting it. You know, if if you want to go down that road, then then you know, division is going to actually suit them uh, very much. Uh, what we're looking at here is that 
this particular part of the cap negotiations is focused on providing an income to people who are producing food. There is a whole other side of cap as well. Like the total cap payments are 1.8 billion coming into the rural economy each year. This is this is about half of it that we're we're looking at on this particular part of it. The pillar two parts, which is um, I'm sorry about getting complicated for people who don't understand some of this, but there's pillar one is is what we're focused on now. Pillar two is 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 all your various environmental schemes and and supports for for individual actions that farmers take. Um, and then you also have in the program for government a promise, um, which we're going to hold the government to uh, of, of 1.5 billion coming from the carbon tax over the next 10 years again to fund environmental uh, measures within uh, agriculture so you know it, it, it it's about focusing primarily at this stage on our ability to produce food and and our literally our right to continue farming uh, in terms of producing food. All the environmental considerations are are, are yet to come in part of this the discussion even though there is as, as part of this discussion, there's, there's talks about eco-schemes, which is actually about directing some of this, uh, this income money uh, at, at, at further environmental measures, which on the face of it, it sounds good, but that then you start, suddenly start realizing that for to get the same money, you now have to uh, employ an advisor possibly to do a plan, which could be another 500 euro a year. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll have to do measures uh, to, to actually uh, manage to claim this money, uh, which... Are, are going to actually uh, cost uh, money and and possibly reduce our ability to produce food again, and 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 I just keep coming back to this in terms of the reason we're going to all these these towns around the country is to highlight the contribution of farming to rural Ireland and the three hundred thousand jobs, including the farmers and and the the lorry drivers and the people in the processing and the people in the in the bakery and so on that that uh, that are all all attached to it. Yeah, and um, the knock-on effect it has on local communities absolutely. that people may not realise yeah. it has. So the five rallies yeah. are taking place tomorrow. What do you hope yeah. to achieve from this and where are they taking place here in Cork? Yeah, so so very importantly, yeah, where, where we're heading for, so because of the, the, the sheer scale of, of, of farming in the, in the country and the fact that we didn't think that, that going into the city was going to be uh, a major benefit for this particular one, partially because we, we, we do have to actually keep the numbers down for, for COVID purposes as well. Um, so we're heading to... to Skibreen in, in, in the west, starting there at, at, at Skibreen Mart. Uh, we're, we're meeting in Bandon, which will be my local town, meeting again at the Mart there. Um, in the east of the county in Middleton, uh, meeting at Knock Griffin Industrial Estate. Uh, in Kanturk at, at the at the Mart there, and in Mitchellstone at the Fergrove Hotel. Um, what we're what we're doing is it's primarily there 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 there'll, there'll be a couple of of towns will facilitate a, a, a little bit of of uh, people walking and so on, but re- realistically for for COVID purposes as much as anything, and for for the for the fact we don't want to hold up the towns, um, we're we're going to be doing it primarily on tractors and 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 agricultural vehicles, um, jeeps and trailers and so on. Um, it's been timed at 11 o'clock for, for a number of reasons. Number one is, is to reduce disruption. Uh, again, it'll be, it'll be over and done within, within a half an hour, like the maximum an hour, but, but realistically, you know, it'll, it'll be a half an hour or so from once in time we, we, we start to, to finish. Um, and we're also conscious as well, of course, of, uh, it is leaving search time. Um, and we, we didn't want to be actually, you know, uh, if, if you hold up one person heading towards the leaving search exam, then I think we failed. So, so we're, that's, that's, definitely something that we we don't want to do so that's uh, um in, in between exam times there as well uh, hitting at the at the 11 o'clock and it is just about highlighting 
the connection between farming and the the business of these towns. Um, which no, look, we could have picked Merlot, we could have picked Bantry, but Bantry has a has a has a fair day on, so that we'd only be clogging it up. You know, there's loads of other towns that we could have could have picked, but these five are geographically spread, so it allows farmers to come in on their tractor um, or, or their jeep and so on. Um, there might be even be a few combines turn up. They're not going to be too busy at the moment, obviously. Um, you know, so it, it, it it's highlighting the, the, the connection between farming and the contribution of farming uh, to these rural towns. I know that hearing, I know we had a lot of comments in there earlier, people are worried that they weren't going to be hearing, but everybody will be adhering to the regulations, even oh, though some people are saying, is it, should he be even doing this, considering that everybody is vaccinated, but you all will be adhering to the guidelines. Yeah, well, I, I suppose it, it's it's the sad reality that uh, that the most of us are, uh, that are involved in farming have, have, have hit the age for getting vaccinated already. Mm. It's, it's, it's one of the things that we need to work on is a bit more yeah. generational renewal yeah. and so on, but that's, that's, that's a whole, whole new story as well. Um, but yeah, look, Look, I'll, I'll be on a tractor. Um, there be no, you know, it, it's it's like a cocoon as such. Um, there there were there were a lot of people who who, who were um, who who were, were were able to drive tractors right the way through. And like the pandemic hasn't stopped agriculture. We it's the one sector that was recognised early on. Food production was recognised as being an essential service. Um, so we have managed to keep going. And the num- look, there have been a few outbreaks in, in processing centres and so on. Um, very little um, outbreaks associated with, with, with farming because we are pretty much outdoor. We're working alone in, in most cases. Um, that ha- that ca- causes problems on, on, on isolation and mental health and different things as well. But for, for COVID purposes, it actually works out uh, pretty well ideal um we are very conscious of the fact as well there are there are a number of people who have said we should have done this six months ago we couldn't have done it six months ago because the regulations wouldn't have allowed it um regulations are allowing gatherings of up to 100 people we will not have 100 people standing around in a group for this because i don't think that would, would be would be sensible to do um it, it it you know there's there's regulations and there's and there's there's common sense um so we we would that's that's the reason why we are focusing on tractors and focusing on bringing people to their to stay in their in their own local area as opposed to trying to bring people to big regional centers which i don't think would be appropriate in the current climate Okay, just a number of calls in and texts. First of all, on the text, uh, Harold, you can respond to these if you wish. But first of all, this is Robert who says, if governments want to reduce emissions from livestock on farms, they can start with intensive farmers and outlaw the nitrous degradation, which allows intensive farms to keep even more cattle. Stop picking on the smaller farmers' fields, Robert. And the derogation, I think that should be regarding the nitrates. And also Paul says, does it make sense giving EU payments to large intensive farmers who have large incomes of 50k plus a year while others in low income sectors are expected to survive on roughly around 10k a year and Tim Fields dairy farmers should now start reducing the amounts of replacement dairy stock they are breeding every year it's the dairy sector which has utterly inflated emissions in the last few years uh, Fields Tim Okay, there's a, there's 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 a lot a lot of things we could go into there. The mm. first one I'll, I'll I'll look at actually there's there's what people talk about when they talk about intensive agriculture and and small agriculture and so on doesn't necessarily tie in. And and I'll give an example in my own particular area here of of West Cork and and the Carberry um, area. Um, there's two thirds of dairy farmers in that area are actually in derogation. Um, the average herd size I think is just short of eighty. Um, so it's not 
very big hurls that are necessarily in, in derogation. The, the reason why people are in derogation in Ireland is because of the fact that the primary source of food that we have, this is to do with stocking rates and how many animals we can carry per acre. And if you are producing just grass and buying in a little bit of ration, then that means that derogation is the way that you're going to manage. If you happen to have acres and acres of ground and, you, and, and you're managing to grow maize and you're managing to grow corn, corn and you're managing to grow a load of different other feeds and so on as well for the cows, you mightn't actually need derogation. So, you know, sometimes the, the, the equating to intensive as being very big doesn't actually make sense. The reality in, in a West Cork situation in particular, and, it, and it's, I'm only mentioning West Cork because it happens to be where, where I'm physically farming, um, you know, it is actually a case that that's, it's, it's making best use of the resources that you have. In terms of reducing replacements, um, would you believe actually I'm, I'm, I'm going to be producing less replacements for my herd from here on? And the reason being that um, the, the the production per cow is going up, so I and and the the fertility of those cows is 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 getting better, so they are living longer in my herd. So I actually need less replacements. So as 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 a benefit to me economically, that makes sense. As a benefit to the climate, that makes sense because obviously producing extra replacements, uh, you know, while, while they're growing, they're they're producing. Okay, Harold's line has just disappeared there on us, uh, but we... Are Can you back, me? Harold? Yeah, you're back. I, I, sorry, yeah, so that's probably the eclipse is affecting me. Here. <laughs> are you noticing anything on the eclipse, by the way? I can't, I can't see it, but, but, but yeah, it's foggy here, <laughs> but, but I presume oh. that's probably causing the problem. But, but yeah, like, like you know, if, if, if you actually focus on, on, on farming more efficiently, you will actually reduce the, the number of placements, the number of cows that I need to, um, to, to, to feed on my farm can, can reduce because the cow will eat um, uh, more, more efficiently and so on. Um, so it, it is actually happening as it is that the, um, while, while there has been an increase in dairy cow numbers uh, post the removal of quotas, um, the reality is we're we're hitting pretty well around the peak, but the, the the in terms of numbers, but the production per cow and the, and the same the production per acre of 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 grain is going up. The it's all increasing. Per, you know, everything and, is improving. Yeah. Very finally, on. Harold, I must go to news at midday. Mm. But very finally, a question in here for John, who says, "What is the IFA's stance on the convergence? Is a seventy-five or eighty-five? This is going back to the cap." He says, "As far as I yeah. can see, the IFA do not want the convergence in County Cork. The highest paid is two hundred and forty briefly. Okay, briefly, look, the convergence has nothing to do with the size of payment, it's to do with the payment per acre, and it's actually making more of an effect on, on those small, intensive farms than average-sized farms that I was talking about. So we we are definitely against convergence. Uh, the 75 is where it should stay, rather than going to the 85 that is currently proposed by the Council. Okay, for the moment, Harold, uh, best of luck tomorrow with those uh, various days of actions across Cork. I'm sure we'll keep an, an eye on that, and I know we'll have reporters at one of those venues tomorrow yes, for the will. moment. Yes, yes, uh, yes, thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. Take care. That is Harold Kingston there, uh, who is a farmer in the Cormacshury and Barry Row area and also is involved with the IFA. He is the Munster Regional Chair of the IFA and we thank Harold for joining us this morning on the show. Your viewers are welcome. A lot more comments coming in on that. We'll get to those after midday. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
on Cork today at C103. Good afternoon to you, John Paul McNamara. In for Patricia until one with Cork today. And your views are welcome to Katie and 1850 333103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And the same number for your pet questions because Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket is along after 12.30 answering all your pet queries and our Garda file is coming up very shortly. We spoke there earlier to Harold Kingston from the IFA. Just one correction there. The day of action tomorrow, he mentioned a number of areas. The Middleton rally, he mentioned that starts at Market Green and Mitchellstown starts at Fairgrove but limited walkers from Church Street near the Old Marsh. So Harold, uh, back on to us regarding that uh, for those uh, both those towns and of course the, that day of action taking place in various areas of the country tomorrow and here in Cork the five rallies are planned for Bandon, Skibbereen, Middleton, Canturk and Mitchellstown. Now earlier on, well yesterday first of all at this time we were speaking to David Moore of Astronomy Ireland and he was uh, telling us about what was happening this morning, the event in the skies, the partial eclipse, this was the moon going in front of the sun, we were going to have a, a partial solar eclipse and I'm wondering because we were uh, looking out here from the studios earlier uh, I didn't notice much of a change they said there could be a slight drop in temperatures anybody out there noticed any change did you see any way of a partial eclipse this morning I would presume most of Cork was under cloud if you're listening to us elsewhere uh, in the world or in Ireland let us know if you were able to see it Katie I popped outside for a few minutes during the news at 10, 11 and 12 uh, did you notice any sign of an eclipse Katie considering the clouds well, I don't know if it's the clouds or not, but I did notice that it was darker at 11 o'clock than it was there at 12 o'clock. And it's also warmer now than it was then. But like that could just be the clouds. Yeah, see, that's the thing we don't know. It could be just a normal day where there was a lot of, I've noticed plenty of black clouds are right in the sky <laughs> around 11 o'clock. It could have been just the clouds or it could have been the eclipse, but it's hard to know. But you did notice some drop in temperature. I did notice, yeah. It definitely was a little cooler an hour ago. Compared to now? Compared to now. But we'll have to figure out if anybody else has uh, noticed. Have you seen, been witnessing the other eclipses? I think it was 2015, the Davis City yesterday. Have you ever I've taken notice? I've never, ever witnessed an no. eclipse. Like, I've always wanted to. I always imagine that the whole world is just going to go dark. Mm. But no, I've I've not witnessed that amazing thing yet. Have you? No, I haven't. And the last one he spoke about, it was a day like this. I do remember we were here, we were on air, but again, it was cloudy. Uh, you could think, like we we're thinking, it wa- it did a- appear darker. But was that the clouds? And did the temperature drop simply because it was a black cloud over us? I do not know. Uh, so, no, I haven't witnessed that either. I would love to. And I'm sure a lot of people will be the same. Let us know if you did come across uh, the eclipse this morning. And if you did... Uh, well, what did you notice? Maybe you're not listening in Cork or elsewhere. Let us know as well. Uh, Katie, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. We'll have to wait for the next eclipse, I'm afraid. Absolutely. That's not for a while. We'll, we'll see one eventually. Hopefully. Anyway, thanks, Katie. Katie's taking your calls. 1850-333-103. And if you have spotted anything this morning, let us know if you noticed that drop in temperature. And a question in here from a listener, and maybe someone can help this listener on this because it says, Hi, JP. When a person is going into hospital for a day procedure, why is there no COVID test being done? I don't understand why not. What is the reason? Well, I'd love to know what hospital you're going into because I know two people personally who are going in for a day procedure over the next two to three weeks and both of them are having a COVID test done beforehand uh, and I 
that is what is due to happen anyhow. So I'm not too sure where the person is going to or what type of day procedure it is. But from our own experience here dealing with this, uh, people are getting the test. So uh, I'm not too sure what your exact circumstances is on that one. Uh, a broadband uh, person here, when we spoke about broadband earlier, a texter saying, I have 70 meg broadband in Donorel Bush. It's useless when I download things. The best speed I get for downloading is 7 megabytes, which isn't enough for downloading or even probably doing a lot of streaming or whatever you're into as well. Uh, So, yeah, it is a problem. And that's why the debate earlier we had regarding the National Broadband Plan and the concern is it's not being rolled out fast enough considering you have private operators who seem to be getting on with the, their own rollout compared to that of the National Broadband Service and that's what the concern we spoke about earlier in the show came from with Irish Rural Link. On the M20 uh, earlier on mixed views on the M20 though the majority of people living on the new proposed routes aren't in favour of these routes they feel an upgrading of the N20 is better and bypassing and dealing with the traffic in the town of Mallow and Charnival and then we had some business people who feel if it goes on the way it does and there's no realistic approach on dealing with the road network from Cork to Limerick via Mallow and Charnival that they are thinking about pulling out of those areas these are businesses who have maybe international branches in Ireland and based in Mallow and in Charnival and they feel at this stage delays on the roadway is hampering their business and they're looking at leaving because of this if this is not sorted out and many listeners felt this was idle threats from businesses and is not fair on local communities as we heard from Whitechurch also from Rahan and Mornabi in the last hour or so they're going to be split down the middle it's also going to be going very near the motorway that is going very near local schools so it will have an impact for many of those communities some who have said earlier that they were already split down the middle when the existing M20 was constructed not a mine now this M20 motorway uh, on that though Roy is a HGV driver and Roy says uh, on that debate you were having earlier everyone is only talking about cars today. Just look at the volume of HGVs on this road every day. This road is the main route from Cork up the Western Corridor. If the motorway was built, then HGVs would use less fuel, hence less emissions for the environment. All HGV drivers are restricted to the amount of driving they can do every day. Their motorway would make their job easier and safer, says Roy, who is a HGV. TV driver. Uh, thank you, Roy, for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Yes, I mean, I do feel for drivers on that road, truck drivers, because apart from safety, which is obviously tying in with this, they, this the road in places it can't be easy to drive for truck drivers and HGV drivers. I mean, Barry Baker on Buttervent, that's not ideal for trucks. And I do feel for uh, trucks driving on the road every day because you know when you get to Mali, you must go through those bad bends in Buttervent and the road network. It just isn't sustainable uh, travelling from Mallow towards Charnival. Uh, and it is tough on, on drivers uh, of large vehicles like Roy, as he has outlined, and there's so many uh, sides to this debate. Uh, but thank you for your text, Roy. Another person here making a very valid point saying, uh, Hi, JP. Uh, how come when you leave Charleville, you head into Limerick, 
the road suddenly opens up and then they have fantastic road networks and motorways whereas here in Cork as your earlier speaker which was Deirdre who was a resident in Whitechurch said the North Ring uh, through Blackpool onto the main Cork de Mala Road it just doesn't make sense what is happening at the moment and Nula this texture says it feels like in Cork we're driving on 1970 condition roads while in Limerick they're into the 21st century and beyond with their fantastic road network around the city says Nula on text on 086 WhatsApp the same number or call Katie on 1850 333 on the IFA and their day of action tomorrow uh, Texa here says John Paul on the IFA action and on the cap and what the IFA are fighting for the only fight for the big farmers and partnerships and companies the smaller farmers are in the way they backed the government when they broke the link between the milk quota and the land for to let the bigger farmers expand and they do the dirty work for the government uh, says that texter regarding the IFA day of action tomorrow and Joe says please when you're speaking about the farming uh, uh, industry please ask silage tractors to slow down on roads uh, one scratch my car or I scratch my car trying to avoid them uh, on the roadway says Joe uh, warning to uh, silage tractors who are driving Joe Fields uh, that they should slow down he scratches his car trying to avoid one on the road says Joe and on a total different issue this is to do with trolley watch which Barry had on the news there at midday about the number of people on trolleys and this texter is asking we never heard of trolley watch uh, during lockdown why are we hearing about it now Uh, well the main reason I feel for that is during lockdown a lot of the hospital services were closed and a lot of people did not turn up to hospitals unless they were really bad with COVID uh, nobody was turning up to the hospital nobody turning turning up to A&D one of the reasons was maybe they were afraid someone, so many COVID cases were within the hospitals they would end up catching COVID uh, last May, April, March uh, when, we're, when the whole thing was starting off in this country that's one of the reasons there wasn't many delays then there was delays again Uh, when we had an influx of people with COVID in December, January and February and the the trolley news, the trolley watch was issuing data then but if you're comparing it to this time last year uh, there wasn't an, an, an amount of people, I suppose hospitals in one way were nearly closed down, uh, not for COVID but for other reasons and that was possibly the reason why and also people that may always go to A&E, and remember a lot of people go to A&E and they're on a trolley, they don't need to be uh, but some people do need to be and they're the ones that suffer but anyhow that is the reason for trolley watch, people were not going to the hospital they were afraid in case they, they would uh, contract COVID and the other side of that was a lot of services were closed due to COVID so that would be one of the main reasons but they were still issuing data uh, for earlier on this year and regarding clothes did anybody else notice this Finbar has an observation he says a few weeks ago back a clothes charity was looking for clothes yet I've seen five clothing banks full in my local area all within 10 miles of each other all full I ended up binning five bags of clothes myself uh, says Finbar the C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative, the perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. Ballygowan National School in Castletown Roach they're currently fundraising for an AstroTurf area and they will hold a raffle worth 8,000 euros of prizes all up for grabs including 
2021 euros in cash family breaks and much more if you want details on how to get tickets you can go to ballygowan.ie and the Middleton GAA drive-in bingo have a change of venue it's now in the original GAA grounds that's in the field at the rear of the clubhouse and it's going ahead tomorrow at 7.30 Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 And on the eclipse while no one here in Ireland uh, and indeed here in Cork that has been on to us had a good view of the eclipse due to the clouds we've had tweets from people living in other areas of the world Canada and America had fantastic views and Scotland also had a good enough view a bit cloudy but there was a break in the cloud and they could see some part of the eclipse and uh, it that is amazing views not for us here maybe where we are but most of us anyhow uh, most of them even were able to get some of the eclipse this morning and we had a earlier had a call in from or a text in from someone who's going for an operation I don't know what hospital they're going to but uh, in response to that they hadn't been asked for a COVID test we were giving examples we knew of people who were going for procedures they were asked for COVID test and has texted in saying hi John Paul I'm having a day procedure in CUH on Tuesday and I'm having a COVID test on Saturday even though I have been vaccinated within three months I don't know where that person is going but I am uh, being uh, having a COVID test on this coming Saturday and on the roads we spoke about the M20 First of all, on the texture that said the roads in Limerick just are far superior and widen up once he leaves Charnival. Michelle says, I agree with your texture that once you go into Limerick, the roads are better. I found once you cross the Cork County bounds, the roads are far superior, no matter what direction you travel in, says Michelle. While Denise says, hi JP, on the articulated trucks, what about all the huge trucks that travel on the Crookstown, Copine and Dumanway Road? Uh, they, uh, all, most of the time, they have to be, most of them, over over the white line that road is totally unsuitable for them says Denise totally agree Denise yeah that road again would be the main way a lot of trucks and a lot of people would access uh, the Demanway area travelling turning off a Crookstown going down as it's called the Bantry line and going down copying Crookstown uh, Demanway they would use that to get to Castletown Bear Kilkill you know Bantry all those areas so yeah and that's another road which I don't think we'll ever see upgrading because they had can't deal with the N71 as it is which is considered the main route via West Cork so I'm not too sure what hope the Bantry line is especially if they can't sort out the N20 that they're trying to sort out for the last 20 years anyhow thank you for your calls and comments our Garda file this week joined by Sergeant John Kelly from Fermoy Garda Station good afternoon to you John Good afternoon, John Paul. And you want to start with a number of, of break-ins that have taken place in the city and across North Cork. And is this happening now because as people are slowly getting back out to work? Are you seeing break-ins slowly happening again, John? Yeah. The... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. The country's back open, uh, the public are back travelling, but the criminals are back travelling as well. You know, and I just want to illustrate the mo- mobility of those, some of those criminal gangs. Um, now, cast our mind back to the 27th of May, that was Thursday fortnight, right? I was doing the, I was doing the radio with G that day. Um, but as I was speaking that day, literally a gang would have come down from from Dublin. They travelled to Cork City. They would have done four break-ins in the environs of Cork City. They travelled back out uh, via the motorway, I would presume. Um, and over the course of about three hours, they'd done four break-ins. One was at Condon's Town South in Watergrass Hill. That was done definitely at uh, around 12.45. There was one done then in Ballinahoun for my between 14.15, that's between 2.15pm and 10 past 3. There was one done in Ratcormac between 1pm and 1.40pm. And there was uh, one done in Ballyarter for my uh, between 1 o'clock and 4.30 in the afternoon. Now, there, so we can take it that definitely they were operating for a two or two and a half hour period in that area. So we, we'd say to the public to, you know, keep an eye out just the same way as they did during the 5K lockdown, you know, that people were very quick to ring in and thankfully let us know if they saw suspicious activity, you know, but just for them to keep an eye out. Now, the car in this particular case was a, a grey Seat Leon, right? And there was four uh, fellas on board. We know that that car a week later comes up in Monaghan, and was involved in a number of break-ins there, no, as I said, a week later. It also has been involved in break-ins in Kildare and Offaly. So just to show the mobility of those crime gangs um, that that use the motorways and that can they can pop up in an area, they can do three or four over a rapid period. You know, we only have so... I'm not saying we got them if we, we got a phone call that day, but there was a chance of getting them. You know, so we'd appeal to the public, keep an eye out for uh, cars acting suspiciously, you know, in the area with three or four youths on board. You know, by acting suspiciously, I might mean just driving around, they see three in it one minute and suddenly they pass by and they see it parked somewhere and there's only one in it, you know. Um, so just give us a call.
call if they see anything like that and uh, we, we can go out to check it. Yeah, and um, those areas you mentioned accessible all for motorways so they're the areas, exactly. as you say, that they can target those towns that are, townlands even, that are located near motorways. And staying on theft, John, you want to raise the issue of bikes being taken in Mallow in the past few days. We had an incident only only a number of hours ago. It was at half twelve this morning where we had a couple of bikes taken, brand new bikes, they were taken from a premises at Marble Hill, knocked the Mona outside uh, outside Mallow. Um, uh, the injured party in this case, they noticed an outside light going on, um, and uh, the light was on a t- on a t- on a sensor. Um, when it went on, uh, they checked there was nobody around, but it, it went on again later, uh, the, later in the night, and it was at that stage they realised that uh, two bikes had been taken from from an outside shed. Now there were brand new bikes. One was a grey Trek. Uh, a bike, uh, pro- probably around 500 brand new. The other was a red uh, child's bike. It was described as a frog bike, uh, a red bike, worth about 200. I mean, there's a child out there today, uh, you know, broken hearted, their brand new bike and it's gone. So we believe that those bikes are going to be e- either disposed of via Facebook, maybe, perhaps through Dundee, you, you know, or, or perhaps in, in other ways, eBay or whatever, you know. So we'd ask anybody if they have any information on that incident. And as I say, that only took place, you, you, you know, at a quarter, uh, 12 hours ago, that incident took place. If they have any information, the Guardian at Mallow, please, that's 022 We'd be grateful for any information that we might get on that. Um, the, the other thing I just want to mention again is, is a new uh, scam. And this was a, a Facebook Messenger scam. Uh, it occurred there exactly two weeks ago. Now, in this particular case, the injured party, they received a message through Facebook Messenger. The message appeared and it was designed to appear that it came from a known friend of the injured party. In this case, I think the injured party has quite a substantial amount of friends on Facebook, you know. So the friend message stated that they had successfully obtained a CSBG grant. Now, I mean, the terminology is absolutely alien to me. I don't know what it is. Um, And had received 50,000. The currency wasn't given. Now, Due to the message kind of having come from a friend, the injured party didn't look for more details. They were provided with a link to apply for the grant. Um, and on clicking the link, the injured party was then brought onto an online chat where somebody totally unknown to them posed as an agent connected with the CSBG. There was a number of message exchanges and the injured party then was requested to purchase Google Play gift cards as a way of paying for the service. Uh, you know, so the injured party did obtain some of the gift cards and they were requested to scratch the coupons and send photographs of the card to the you know, to the fraudster, you know. Now, CSBG grants, what are they? They're community service block grants that apply in certain states in the USA. They have nothing to do with Ireland, you know. Um, so for people to be very, very careful, you know, that um, we do know that other Facebook friends of that person would have got similar messages uh, as... as that person did, you know, and um, so for people to be very, very careful of anything like that, you know, there is no magic money tree around, you know, uh-huh. as, as regards that you want to get grants for nothing, you know, so for people to be very, very careful of, of giving out information, or in this case, here they were, sending off, sending off money, you know, to obtain a grant that didn't exist in the first place, you know, so uh, I guess uh, those scams are appearing every day, they're changing, and in this case, obviously, um, there was some, uh, somebody's Facebook account had been hacked.
And be careful if you get a, a message from your friend, something like that, you'll know, you should realise it instantly that it is a scam when it's something asking for money when you, if your friend usually wouldn't be asking for money. So Absolutely, just be extra yeah. extra careful on the messenger. Very finally, John, we got call, I got a call in earlier on in the week. This was from Anne in Buttevant asking about Carher Me. I know last year a major operation was underway because Carher Me just happened. There's actually no physical organiser. People just turn up to Buttevant for Carher Me. Uh, any idea of what's happening this year regarding the present, the present regulations at the moment don't permit for the like of Cahami to take place, you know, um, and and that's the long and the short of it. As I say, the regulations stand at the moment that Cahami cannot take place. And do you think um, that the Gardaí and others will go down the road nearer the time of July that they will have to do something similar to last year if things remain near, as they are? Near, nearer the time, nearer the time. Uh, regulations still being the way they are well then the Gardaí will uh, be going down the same route as they did last year Very good so I suppose you we'll know? have to wait and see um, what happens but that is more like, likely what can could I, happen Can I just mention finally just two other yeah, things there You can of on. course yeah. uh, ju- Just uh, um, if anyone is travelling to the to Dublin and seeing the sites the Garda Museum is open uh, in, um, it's a fascinating little museum it's inside in one of the oldest parts of uh, of Dublin Castle in the Treasury Building it's by appointment only it's open between 10 and 2 um, it was closed for a number of years while there was a major regrade being done on it but fascinating for anyone um, that's interested in the history of policing in Ireland because it covers uh, the whole era the, the, the pre garda era as well with the Irish Constabulary and the Royal Irish Constabulary that succeeded them you know a lot um, of history there a lot of history there uh, finally best of luck to all those leaving, doing leaving cerfs out there um, you know they're, they're just to make sure that they do do as best they can you know and um, uh, just finally as well just to mention silage season we're in the middle of it at the moment right there's no place for there's, there's no place for uh, Lewis Hamilton out there on the roads and um, an appeal to the silage operators themselves and an appeal to those implying them. Just keep a lookout for the people that, uh, you, you know, that are roaring down the roads um, that are, you know, the skid marks are appearing as well where fellas are stopping suddenly. You know, a lot of farms now, they could be travelling quite a few miles from one out farm to where the silage is being stored. So for please bear in mind there's people walking, there's a lot more people cycling and walking this year you know, with the COVID. So please take your time. Very good, John. Thank you for that. And uh, you, we'll John chat Paul. to you soon again. That is uh, Sergeant John Kelly there joining us from from my Garda station. Your pet questions are welcome. Jane uh, joins us next. If you have a question for Jane, call 1850-333-103. Katie taking your calls. We'll chat with Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And the lady asking about the COVID test to pre-procedure, uh, she's going to UHL, University Hospital Limerick. So every caller we heard from was going to the Cork area. This is in University Hospital Limerick. And uh, if anybody has been for a procedure there, have you got a pre-COVID test beforehand? This lady hasn't been requested to do so and she's wondering what the story is. Uh, so let's let us know if you have gone there for the lady in question that has gone on to us. Maybe uh, worth your while giving, them a, uh, giving the hospital a ring and asking them about that just to be uh, safer uh, before you go along there. Thank you for your text. And if anybody has been there and can offer advice for someone who is going to Limerick uh, for a cataract operation. And also hi to Martin who WhatsApped in earlier regarding the HSE as well and about the cost of the IT crash costing 100 million euros to repair. He's asking why does the cost of the repair or uh, what is 
is the cost now of the HSDIT system to repair. He feels like I'm very quiet about the cost, says Martin, uh, on WhatsApp. Uh, they are still working on that, Martin, as far as we are aware. Uh, even though some services are coming back slowly within the HSC, they are still working that so they don't know the overall cost of that yet. But it's an expensive game, IT. And I'm sure it, even though they're estimating that cost, it will be in and around that. Anyhow, let's go to your uh, pet questions. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thank That's you. That's good. Now, we've had a lot of questions in, so I'm going to get straight into them. And first of all, this texture says, Hi, John Paul and Jane. Uh, can you ask, Jane, why a Yorkshire terrier has stopped eating her food in the last few days? I think the bitch is pregnant, as was with this stud dog, and was eating fine up to a few days ago, but seems now to be going off her food. She's due for her scan soon to, sh- to see if she's in pup. And could she lose her pups by not eating? Okay, this is a really interesting one and I think our caller is very right to be a little bit concerned. Um, Certainly around the time when a bitch is is ready to whelp, so to give birth, we do sometimes see a a kind of a downturn in appetite. They can become very out of sorts, very much kind of engage in nesting behaviour and go a little bit off food. But I wouldn't be expecting it this early on. It's normally just kind of the day or two before they give birth. And it sounds like this is quite a bit earlier in the pregnancy if, if, if this little dog hasn't gone for the scan yet to confirm pregnancy. So I would suspect it's probably unconnected and definitely if she's been off food for for more than a day and it sounds like a few days, this is definitely one to visit your vet for a full physical exam and just get her really well checked over, particularly if she's pregnant. Um, I suppose like any illness um, in dogs and cats, they can lose a pregnancy indeed if they are ill or if they are off food, depending on the stage of it. Um, but I think really the priority is, is the mother in this situation and making sure she's okay regardless of the pregnancy and making sure she's not um, ill or requires veterinary attention herself. So this is definitely one I would advise seeing your vet about. Okay, and a question here from Jean who says, just to know or want to know about a six-month-old sheepdog puppy and another two older Jack Russells, will they adapt together? One of the Jack Russells in his own is very much his own dog and wants no other dog near her and will growl when the puppy dog hovels around her. That terrier has a sore on her leg also. I do fear of a scrap and the new puppy may be hurt. Now each dog is okay on their own and the three together could be difficult. We got each on different times and now want to know the situation. Any solutions? Maybe I should fence the cross terrier in her own space, asks Jean. Okay, this is a really interesting one and I think it's certainly something that a lot of people are encountering because I know a lot of people have taken on on new dogs and cats over over the lockdown period. Um, I suppose like in humans, there are a wide variety of personalities and exactly the same thing goes for dogs and cats, um, particularly when they're over a variety of ages. So you say you have kind of two older terriers and now a young, very sprightly collie pup. Um, so there may be a little bit of a clash of interests there. Um, so the older dogs generally will want a quiet life and have a very kind of established hierarchy in the home. Um, so introducing, let's say, a younger pup, this might temporarily upset it. Now, what I would normally say is, as a general rule, time and careful introductions usually 
things will settle down over time. But the one thing I would say is giving each dog their own private space and not forcing them to interact, let's say, by feeding them all very close together or having all their sleeping areas very close together can help a little bit. So it allows them to have, let's say, a little bit of privacy and somewhere to retreat to if they don't really feel like interacting with the other dogs. And particularly for that older terrier there that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable by the sounds of it, maybe if they have a sore on the leg, um, that can sometimes cause, let's say, um, I suppose snappiness, a little bit of aggression, particularly towards other dogs, if they fear that they might get hurt themselves by interacting with the younger, sprightly dog. So that's kind of an issue in and of itself. Um, so for that dog, if it's, let's say, had a change in behaviour and seems a bit uncomfortable on the limb, that might be exacerbating kind of the behavioural issues between the three of them. So visiting your vet to see if there's anything that can be done to, to make that little dog a little bit more comfortable. So it might be a little bit less fearful, territorial, aggressive around the other younger dog might be of help. I think generally time and giving them a lot of space is a really helpful thing. But I think safety comes first. Just make sure that each dog is, is safe with each other while they're really getting to know each other. Just make sure they're supervised in and as far as possible and um, to avoid any scraps, as, as you say. And Jim on text wants to know because his dog has a watery discharge from the inside of both eyes near the nose. Now it dries up of its own accord, but it keeps happening and repeats. So what could this be? Asks Jim. Okay, so a uh, watery discharge. So sometimes we can have a, a normal watery discharge from the eyes, very much like ourselves. So every every eye has kind of a lubricating film of tear film, and that's what keeps the eye comfortable protects it from kind of dust particles floating around in the environment and that can be quite normal. Now when it becomes abnormal is when there's a lot of clear watery discharge, that thing called epiphora, so a, a lot of tear production happening and that can sometimes be in response to discomfort in the eye. Um, so if there was let's say eyelashes growing inward in the eye or a little let's say ulcer or scratch on the surface of the eye, the body reacts by thinking let's say that there's something really uncomfortable here, so I need to lubricate the eye to try and keep myself more comfortable. So sometimes that's when we see this clear discharge appearing. Now, you can get lots of other discharges from the eye. Sometimes they'll go cream and gunky. Um, Sometimes they're really quite nasty and, and kind of indicative of infection. If you notice this as a change for your dog and there's a lot of kind of clear watery discharge happening more so than usual and, and it keeps happening, this is one I would visit your vet for. We just want to make sure that there's not anything that's causing irritation or discomfort on the eye. It's kind of like ourselves. If you've got something stuck in your eye, it's really, really irritating. You can't really go about your normal daily activities without being constantly annoyed. You can imagine a dog not being able to say it to anyone is is quite stressful for them. Um, As well as that, we want to make sure that there's no scratches on the surface of the eye because that can be quite serious. Now, it might be something and nothing. It might be normal tear production. But if you've noticed it as an increase in tear production, then that's always something to worry about. So a change definitely requires investigation. And finally, uh, for Jane. Hello, Jane. I have a 10-year-old collie dog. She has a small, hard lump under her right eye. It seems to be sore. Uh, What can we do for her? Okay. Um, I would say this is probably a lump that needs to be sampled. A very common question that I get every single day is, what's this lump on my dog or cat? And is it something I need to worry about? And what I will say to every single person who attends the practice is, well, a lump is a lump until proven otherwise, insofar as I don't know without doing further investigation. So any lumps or masses or growth, 
will generally need to be sampled. And there's a variety of ways we can do this. Sometimes we can take a little sample of the cells inside to send to the lab. Sometimes we might need a larger biopsy to send to the lab. But generally, it's very difficult to know how sinister or benign something is by looking at it, and we need to do further testing. So this is one that if that lump is there, particularly if it's sore, I would advise visiting your vet, and it's most likely that they may, they may well need to sample that to see what it is and what course of action will be best. But it's really important to catch these things early as well because that gives you more options in what you can do. Totally, and, and catch it early is the main thing there for them as yeah. well. Uh, Jane, thank you for that. Have a good week, and we'll chat to you next Thursday again. You too. Thank you very Take much. Take care, Jane. That's Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And when we were discussing broadband there earlier on the show, Eileen is living in Churchtown and she says, we have absolutely no internet, no options, nothing. My daughter is trying to do an online course and it's impossible. The lack of broadband is lacking our options to life and it isn't right. And that would be one of the areas where the National Broadband would help. But the concern that we had earlier on in the start of the show from Irish Rural Link just shows exactly uh, how things are on the ground with you Eileen and Churchtown and the lack of options all because of the what many are saying is the, the slow uh, rollout uh, from the National Broadband Plan thank you for your, your call Eileen to Katie on 1850 333 103 Cork's Greatest Hits with Nick Richards from 1 Martina on the drive home from 4 enjoy your Thursday afternoon thanks to Katie O'Keefe who took your calls I'm John Paul McNamara we'll chat tomorrow morning for Friday's Cork Today 10 a.m. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.